0: Father, we come before your throne, Father, to, to see this wondrous text. And yet, Lord, uh, so many times we just read over it. Uh, and I I pray, Lord, that uh, you've helped me to see. And Father, we will pay attention and understand um, your desire for worship. But, Father, uh, your desire for worship is based on... Uh, Your way. Father, let us be children who worship. Let us be children who understand that you dwell with us. Let us understand the amazing things you do for us. And Father, the the heart that we should have towards you, your ways, your principles, your purposes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. In Christ's name, amen. I want to back up quickly, just a few verses, uh, chapter 29, verses 42 through 46. And then <coughs> that has set us as we go into chapter 30 and 31. We're looking at an outline that is basically the book of, or, or the conclusion of the book of Exodus. Um, when we think about the book of Exodus, we immediately think about um, the parting of the Red Sea and the plagues of Egypt and all the rest of it. Don't get me wrong that's important text. All right? But in light of God delivering Israel out of the Egyptian captivity, he lays out what does it mean to worship me and to be in my presence. And the emphasis of the book is really that. All right? The the bulk of the book of Exodus is dealing with God's call for Israel to worship And how you are to worship. And what is amazing about the text is he doesn't really leave any room for human ingenuity. I mean, when it comes down to the incense that will be burned, he describes how it is to be made. Uh, and, and so, um, this is crucial because I'll deal with some more of this, but I want you to see this 42. It says it shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the doorway of the tent of the meeting of the Lord, where I will meet with you to speak with you there. That's what I wanted you to look at. What, what are we looking at here? Well, he's getting ready and he's describing the building of the tabernacle, the place where God will meet with you. Right, uh, it has the holy area then it has the holy of holies has the ark of the covenant the mercy seat will sit on top of the ark and, and, and all of the priests that have to be involved with this um, coming into the presence of the Lord verse 43 says I will meet there with the sons of Israel and it shall be consecrated by my glory did you see that The fact that he's there consecrates it, makes it holy. All right? It isn't because you did a good job. It isn't because you followed my instructions. All right? Listen, you think that this is Jesus got on the Pharisees because they would make oaths to what? To the temple, to the ark, to the gold of the temple. And he says, that's nothing. It is nothing if I am not there. Okay. I will consecrate the tent of the meeting and the altar. I will consecrate Aaron and his sons to what? Minister as priest to me. I will dwell among the sons of Israel and will be their God. They shall know that I am Yahweh, their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt. (coughs) Again, what's he doing? He's reminding them of their responsibility in light of what he's done. Israel had no ability to free themselves from slavery. None. Okay? Under the new covenant, what you and I live under, what ability did you have to get out from under your sin? What ability did you have to get away from the mastery of sin in your life? You know, I had a discussion just this week, and we were talking about miracles. And everybody was talking about miracles, and someone made the statement, uh, and, and I agree with this statement, but I think we missed something here. Okay, if God wants to use any human being to perform a miracle, he will. He doesn't ask you if it's okay. He, If he wants to intervene through an individual to perform a miracle, God will do it. I mean, let's be realistic. But I brought up the, the, the point that I think we miss so much. Um, <clears throat> have you ever had a loved one go to the hospital and you didn't know how severe the diagnosis or the prognosis was? And, and you ask for what? A miracle. God, help this person. And, and we'll do it. We'll, we'll get very generous. And God gives the doctors and nurses uh, wisdom and, and abilities and all the rest of it. And you know what? I understand that. Uh, we, I had just a, 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 a situation where the lady was afraid of dying. She's a Christian. And she said she was afraid. And I said, well, how can you be afraid? Okay, but understanding the church that she attends and, and the things that she's going through, she's, she has fear, okay? And that's not my fault. That's her pastor's fault, all right? There's days that I look forward to death. It would be fun to leave. Do you understand that when a Christian dies, do you, do you know where they go? Absent from the body? Present with the Lord. Where's the Lord? In heaven. OK? Well, that's where the streets of paper go. Let me, I'll just give you a really quick thought about heaven. There's no sin. ponder that I have no idea what that is I have always been around sin I don't know what that's like but I know that every pain that exists on the planet earth today is a product of sin and I mean it can be heartache it can be physical pain it can be emotional pain it can be whatever you want to call it where does it come from sin it's a product of sin Okay, so absent from the body is present with the Lord present with the Lord is in heaven because the Lord is at the right hand of God the Father who is in heaven and therefore you would be completely separated from sin. I don't understand that. I do not understand it. I can explain it to you theologically. I have no idea what that means. Okay, but we get tied up here on this world by what? Sin, and we, we have desires. Well, I would like to see my kids grow up. I'd like to see grandkids. I'd like to see this education. I'd like to see this financial place. I would Whatever, you know, I, I, I remember somebody told me, well, I hope he doesn't come back before I can take a Caribbean cruise. And I thought, what? <laughs> it's a boat, <laughs> okay. But I thought, you know, that's never mind. All right. What do we do with that? Why do we ponder that? Why do we wrestle with that? Why? Why do we hold so dearly to the stuff that is here? Well, it's our nature. It's our nature. And so, when these things happen, we ask for what? Miracles. Let me tell you something. The fact that you are saved is the single greatest miracle that has ever taken place in all of creation. Peter says the angels long to try to understand this. Do you understand that when a person gets saved, they are instantaneously as holy as Jesus Christ? Now tell me that ain't a miracle. And tell me on a level of miraculous that that competes. There's nothing comes close to that. The parting of the Red Sea is... How hard is that? Walking on water. How hard... Getting Peter to walk on water. How hard is that? It's a piece of cake. Making the storm stop. Raising the dead. Piece of cake. When you think that God left heaven, took on the veil of humanity, walked among us, and died for our sins so that we can be in His presence... Is there a greater miracle? When he was hanging on the cross, he says, tell die." You know what that means? It is finished. He ain't working on getting you saved. He said, here it is. So when you think about a miracle, think about 2 Corinthians 3:18. It says we with unveiled face beholding in a mirror or what? Being transformed. What are we being transformed from glory To glory. The first glory is the fact that He invaded your life and saved you from sin. The second glory is a resurrected body is coming and you will stand as holy and perfect as Jesus Christ. That's how miraculous. I was reading Charles Spurgeon the other day and Charles brought back to mind a a statement that he had made is that for a Christian, the greatest event that will ever happen in your life is the moment of your salvation. When you leave this world and go into his presence, that's really not that big a deal. Really? But he's right. We have a progression here where we're learning to walk by faith and then our faith will become sighted. and it will not be that big a deal. Why? Because you will be able to look back at your life and say, I have seen this from here to here and this is kind of cool. Which brings me to this. They will know that I am their Lord and that I brought them out of the land of Egypt and that I might dwell among them for I am Yahweh their God. How cool is that? Keep reminding yourself, I bought you. I have delivered you from from yourself. From your sins, I have delivered you. I have brought you. Moreover, chapter 30, verse 1, you shall make an altar. Now this is interesting to me. Because he's going to give you a design of a piece of furniture. I mean, I it sounds blasphemous, but it is. Now, he's already described two pieces of furniture that go into the holy place. Okay? Remember what they were? The candle holder, holders, seven candles, and the table from the showbread. Okay? And he didn't bring up this piece of furniture you will build an altar and a place of burning of incense and you shall make it out of acacia wood we've already heard the acacia wood stuff and he designs this thing it's not given to us in chapter 25 it's the last piece that the high priest would come to before he did what? going to the holy of holies the high priest could only go into the holy of holies once a year Yom Kippur Yom means day Kippur is atonement So on the Day of Atonement, once a year, the priest would go into the holy place, the Holy of Holies, where the presence of the Lord would be on the mercy seat, which sat on the Ark of the Covenant, and he would make atonement for the nation of Israel, for those people who had not. And it's the description of this incense burner is given after the consecration of Aaron. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. You will be holy first. You will be consecrated first, and then we'll talk about the incense. Now look what's what happens here. Its length will be a cubit, and its width will be a cubit, and it shall be square, and its height will be two cubits. Its horn shall be from one piece uh, with it, and you shall overlay it with pure gold, its top and its sides and around and its horns, and it shall be made of gold molding, and all around it. You shall make two gold rings for it <clears throat> under its molding, and you shall make them on one on each side of the wall and the opposite sides, and they shall hold poles that you will carry it. Note, once you get done building this thing, I don't want you touching it. Keep the incense burning, but you'll carry it with Poles. You shall be on the opposite side. You'll make poles out of acacia wood, and you'll overlay them with gold. Now look what he says in verse 6. You shall put this altar in front of the veil. Okay? It's a three-layer veil that separates the holy place where the priest would work from the holy of holies, where the presence of God would be. So it's going to be on the front side of the veil. That is near the Ark of the Testimony. Alright, the veil is near the Ark of the Testimony. We all understand what that is. That's what Indiana Jones went looking for. Okay, and found it, got it from the Germans or whatever. Okay, it's the Ark of the Covenant. Alright, we've already looked at this. Alright, in front of the mercy seat that is over the Ark of the Testimony. Okay, you know what the Ark of the Testimony is, right? It contains the law. Okay, where I now watch I will meet you Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it and it shall he shall burn it every morning when he trims the lamps trimming the lamps is to bring the flames down so it's not as bright you don't need that much light during the daylight when you trim the lamps and then you'll do what? burn incense You now look what happens you shall not Offer any strange incense on this altar or burnt offering or meal offering and you shall not pour out a drink offering on it. Now, pay attention to what he just said there. Aaron shall make atonement on its horns once a year. He's going to clean it up once a year. You know what atonement is, right? The smearing of blood. Once a year he will make atonement and he shall make atonement on it the blood of the sin offering and atonement once a year throughout your generations it is most holy to Yahweh. Okay. Annual cleansing of this thing. It will be an offering to this thing. And and, and he says, and it'll be before the veil of the Holy of Holies. And you will burn an incense offering on this thing every morning when you get ready. And, And it's very specific here. All right. I want you to quickly move over to verse 38. Verse 38. Look what it says here. Whoever shall make any like it to use as a perfume, okay, this paste that would be the incense. What does it happen? will be cut off from the people. Do You see what he just said? I don't think he's fooling around. What do you think? He ain't kidding here. He's saying when you come in here into my presence, I will be here. I will meet you. I will talk to you. I will care for you. I will take care of you. I will guard you. I will deliver you. I will watch over you. I will bless you. But when you come into my presence, you're going to do it the way I said or what? You'll die. You'll die. Guess what? Nadab and Abihu you all remember their names. Anybody know who they are? Aaron's sons. They went in and they offered up an incense offering that was not the way that God described it. You know what happened? They died. God killed them. But all they wanted to do was worship. And God says, "You will not worship me outside of the way I describe that you worship." Okay, then verse 11, Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, when you take a census of the sons of Israel, this is very common, Um, what a census was is to get all the young males who were of military age, how many you got? Now here, it does not tell me why God says, when you take a census of, okay, uh, that is not The number of Israel and each one of them shall give a ransom for himself to Yahweh. Okay? Money. Okay? And when you number them, that there be no plague among you when you number them. Okay? Now, you're going to find out in 1 Chronicles chapter 21, David did this once. And God got extremely perturbed about it. David wanted to know how big his military was. And God says it's none of your business to know how big your military is. And you will see that God brought a plague upon Israel because David counted his military. Okay? Now, here in this text in Exodus, he is saying who is able to be military-aged men and they are to do what? Give an offering, there's a ransom, and that there be no plague among them. This is what everyone who is numbered shall give, half a shekel, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, all right? A shekel is four-tenths of an ounce, all right? So it's half of that. All right, and it would be silver and half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary. The shekel is 20 geras and half a shekel is a contribution to Yahweh. So basically he's bringing in the money for the tabernacle. Everyone who is numbered from 20 years old and over shall give a contribution to Yahweh. The rich shall not pay more and the poor shall not pay less than half a shekel. And when give the contribution to Yahweh to make the atonement for yourselves, you shall take the atonement money from the sons of Israel and shall give it to the service of the tent of the meeting that it may be a memorial to the sons of Israel and before Yahweh to make atonement for yourselves. Okay? What God is doing here is saying, let me keep this in your mind. and and I, I think we have a tendency to forget listen when we read this we say well I wasn't brought out of the Red Sea yeah you were what he did in the redeeming of your soul is greater than bringing a bunch of Jews out of Egypt and yet how quickly do we forget and we don't think about it. And it ain't that important. And you know what? I like this because it says there's money involved here. I want to give money. Why? Because when I give the money, what does it remind me of? That I have been redeemed. You know, I, I watch people and they struggle with giving to the church. Okay? You know, do you give a tithe or do you do this? You know, and, and, and people ask me, uh, do you know what the tithe is? It was actually 23%. Okay. Bummer. But that's, I mean, if you go look at it, yeah, there was a tithe to the temple. But if you gave, you were to give yearly 23%. Here's what's amazing to me that we want to debate the tithe. Well, we're under the new covenant. Do I have to tithe now? now? Let me ask you a question just think about it for a second when you give why do you give have you ever thought that maybe I give I give to the church because it reminds me of what God gave me you ever thought about that See, that's what this is. This is to remind you, I brought you out of Egypt. You couldn't get free. I freed you. And I want you to come and give. And I want you to remember what I did. How many of us give to the church based on what he did? Okay. How many of us come with our first fruits? I watched two guys debate at one time, well, is that the gross or the net that I'm supposed to tithe on? or should it be what my adjusted gross income is from the IRS? Should I tithe on that? And I sitting there going, You guys are giving me a headache just sitting around thinking about this stuff. Okay? Because I don't know how I give. I don't I don't sit and say, All right, you know, uh eleven dollars and twenty seven cents. I don't do that. I'm Perhaps I should, but I don't. I give based on what I got. Here it is. And, uh, and, and it, you know, that's just how I do it. Why? Because I remember what price he paid for me. Right? And I, I, I think that that's part of that mentality that we have that says, well, I'll just give this much because I want to go out to lunch. Okay. And, you know, I've heard all the saying, well, can you out give God or can you, you know, whatever, whatever. I, I, I want you to think about this because we read this and we think, well, I got to give a, a half a shekel. I mean, it could take me forever to find a shekel. <laughs> okay. And then I got to give him half. All right. Okay. It's four tenths of an ounce. Okay, did you see that gold closed at $1,000 an ounce? I'll take your four-tenths. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> All right? <laughs> but I, th- that's the kind of stuff. Look what you pay for oil. Never mind. I don't know. That hurt my feelings today. I have diesel. and it's, I'm going to start pedaling. I, t- I got my saw and cut a hole in the floor of the truck and I'm just going to stick my feet through it and do Fred Flintstones. And just hope that I don't have to go uphill anywhere. <laughs> Uh-oh. Anyway, I, I, I share this with you because this is key. God continually through this says, I have these things that I want you to do. Alright? But I want you to remember why you're doing it. Okay? I, I don't don't we? You know, I tell people, read your Bible. And they say, well, how often? Every day. Okay, why? What's your alternative? Do you see what I mean? I mean, what else are you going to do? Well, I could watch, what, Oprah? What, what are you going to do? I mean, you know. All right. 18 through 21, he always spoke to Moses saying, you make a laver a laver is what you call a wash tub I mean that's really what it is it is a place that you're going to and you're going to see you wash your hands and your feet okay it's just, it's just a basin it's just a basin here's what it says you make a laver of bronze and its base will be bronze for washing okay it's, it's sort of like a, a shallow bathtub Okay. And you shall put it between the tent of the meeting and the altar. And you'll put water in it. Aaron and his son shall wash their hands and their feet from it. And when they enter the tent of the meeting, they shall wash, <coughs> they shall wash with water that they... What does it say? That they will not die. What? when you get ready to come in and do my work, you will do it the way I say, or what? You die. Oh, wait a minute. I'm going to be in there cutting the heads off of doves and bleeding lambs and and bullocks and whatever sin offering shows up and you're worried about me washing my hands? Yeah. Yeah. He is. He is. Look what he says. That they may not die or when they approach the altar to minister by offering up in smoke the fire of sacrifice to the Lord so they shall wash their hands and their feet and they what? May not die And it shall be perpetual statute for them, for Aaron and his descendants through all generations. Before you do anything, you will wash your hands and your feet, and then you go do it. Why? So you don't die. Sounds pretty serious. Do you understand why I get testy when I hear people saying we have a contemporary worship? I mean, does that mean you don't wash your hands and feet before you minister? What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, we haven't blended worship. You have a what? Well, we only wash our hands, we don't wash our feet. Listen, God doesn't say, come and worship, however you feel like it. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say that. And let me tell you something. Yes, we are under the new covenant, but let me ask you a question. Is God changing? No. Mm-mm. Look, he goes into verse 22 and he starts talking about anointing oil. Um, again, this, this seems amazing to me because there's no human ingenuity here. I, I, I was in Israel a few years ago, and you can go into these little stores uh, in, in Old Jerusalem, and they have racks and racks of, you got it, anointing oil. Okay? And I wonder, is that just like Crisco? Except you buy it in Jerusalem. What is anointing oil? You can go, we have uh, bookstores that you can buy anointing oil. And, well, what's the big deal? Well, he says that if you do it any other way, you are to be cut off from his people. Okay, cut off from the people. Do you know what that means? Dead. I'm thinking that he's kind of serious about this. He doesn't even leave a loophole for you and I to make up some cool anointing oil. He is so detailed. Look at The Lord spoke. Now, Do you see that? In each of these, he's saying, the Lord spoke to Moses and said, take also for yourself the finest spices of flowing myrrh, 500 shekels. Okay, you don't know what a shekel is. All right, we all got our shekels down. All right, that's a measurement. All right, uh, five hundred shekels of fragrant cinnamon, half of such as two hundred and fifty of fragrant and a cane, fragrant cane to two hundred and fifty. So he's 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 giving you the ingredients. Here's how you do it. I want a half a cup of this, a cup of this, a cup of that. You know, you better go get your shekels right, or you're going to cut off from the people. All right, you shall make these holy anointing oil, a perfume mixture, the work of the perfumer. The what? The perfumer. You know what that says? There were people who had the ability to do this and it was practiced and you would have that person do it. You know what he's basically saying? Joe Blow, don't go out and make me some anointing oil. There are people who are trained at this, and this is how you will do it. You, and with it, you shall anoint the tent of the meeting and the ark of the testimony and the table and it's the utensils, the lampstands and the utensils and the altar of the incense and the altar of the burnt offering. Everything that I have described up to date. Remember, we're in chapter 25, verses... 25 through chapter 31, and it's the describing of the what? The tabernacle of God, where God will meet with His people, and where God will be His God, and God will continue to remind them that I brought you out of Egypt. He goes on, Consecrate them. Verse 29. That they may be the most holy. Whatever touches them shall be holy. You shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister as what? Priest to me. You shall speak to the sons of Israel saying, this shall be a holy anointing oil to me throughout your generation. It shall not be poured on anyone's body, nor shall you make it, make any like it in the same Proportions. Okay? See what he just said? You just can't go out and make this and have a blast with it. You know, you can't go into Old Jerusalem and buy a rack of anointing oil because I wanted a rack of anointing oil. You know, I brought back some olive oil, but I ate it. Sorry. Okay? And you know what is amazing about the the, the Israeli olive oil? It tastes just like our olive oil. <laughs> it's just the delivery cost is more expensive. <clears throat> Look what he says. Whoever shall mix any like it or whoever puts it on, his, on a layman, what happens? It shall be cut off. And then Yahweh says to Moses, take for yourself Spices. Sack, and he goes through this big old list, equal parts. Okay? Pure frankincense versus imitation frankincense. With it you will make an incense, a perfume, the work of the perfumer, salted, pure, and holy. You shall beat some of it very fine, and you'll put it up before the testimony in the tent meeting where I shall meet with you and it shall be most holy and the incense that you shall make you shall not make in the same proportions for yourself it shall be holy to you for Yahweh whoever shall make any like it to use as a perfume it smells good we can make money shall be cut off from the people shall be cut off from the people Okay. Now then, I want to show you something quickly. We're just going to summarize 31. Because this is fascinating. This is truly fascinating. In verses 1 through 11, God identifies two men. Two men. Okay, this is fascinating. You're going to have. About two million people hanging out at the foot of Sinai, getting all these instructions, and Yahweh says to Moses, "I have called the name Bezalel, the son of Uriah, the son of Hur, and the tribe of Judah." Look what it says: "I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom." in understanding and in knowledge and in all kinds of craftsmanship to make artistic designs for the work of gold and silver and in bronze and in the cutting of stones for settings and the carving of wood that I may work in all kinds of craftsmanship. God says, this is what I want for my tabernacle. Okay, what would be your immediate response? Let's get after it. Okay, we'll go we'll get our half shekel this and tenth shekel that and we'll, we'll get this thing done. But then he says this I have supernaturally empowered two guys, and it's their responsibility to go build this stuff. Fascinating. Craftsmen. Behold, I myself have appointed with him, Holub, the son of Hashemot, of the tribe of Dan. And in the hearts of all who are skillful, I have put skill, that they may make all that I have commanded you. I, do you see what he's doing here? He says, this is the detail about what I'm going to build. But you know what? Unless I'm involved even in the craftsman, it won't be as I want it. So I will put my spirit in the craftsman and they will take care of it. They will take care of it. Just as I have commanded you, the tent of the meeting, the ark of the testimony, the mercy seat upon it, and all the furniture of the tent. The table also, it, and its utensils, and the pure gold lampstand, and all the utensils, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offerings, also of the, all of its utensils, and the laver, and its stand, the woven garments as well, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of the sons that will carry out carry on their priesthood, the anointing oil also, and the fragrant incense for the holy place, they are to be made, they are to make them according to all that I have commanded you. That's amazing. Then Yahweh spoke to Moses and says, But as for you, speak to the sons of Israel, saying, You shall surely observe my Sabbaths, For it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am Yahweh who sanctifies you. Therefore, you are to observe the Sabbath for it is a holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among the people. Six days, for six days, work may be done. On the seventh day, there is a Sabbath of complete rest, holy. Okay, the word holy, set apart to Yahweh. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall what? So the sons of Israel shall observe the Sabbath to celebrate the Sabbath throughout their generations as a what? Perpetual covenant. Okay, it is perpetual. You know what that is. Covenant is like last will and testament. That's your covenant. There's a sign between. Is a sign between me and the sons of Israel forever for in six days not six billion days. In six days, Yahweh made the heaven and the earth. Did you read that? And why do we struggle with this? Well, did he really mean, well, what? That means the first two billion years we work and then we rest a day. No, this isn't. It just drives me nuts. Well, I don't think he really meant literal six days. He seemed to think he did. (laughs) All right. And on the seventh billionth year, he ceased from his labor and he was refreshed. See how silly that is? No, you work six days. I mean, six days of creation was given to you and me. Why? He could have done it in one. But he says, I work for six, and I have the weekend. That's one day. That's one day. And we'll deal with the Sabbath rest that Jesus offers that Joshua could not deliver uh, in the future. When he had finished speaking with him upon Mount Sinai, he gave Moses the two tablets of the testimony. Can this be the Ten Commandments? Two, two, ten... The things that Moses remember when Moses comes down with the big old things of stone, okay, and it's the testimony tablets of stone, and they were what? Okay, understand this: what we have just gone through—the tabernacle, the Ten Commandments, how you respond to other people, the order of worship, how you will worship, uh, the atoning oil, the incense, the furniture, the tent, and all the rest of it. Do you understand what he's being just said here? This is God's word. This is what I want. This is my instruction. It's not open to interpretation. It is given. It's simple. Now then, think about this. We'll close. Peter says that you are a royal priesthood. Every one of us. And I gotta ask you the question. How important is your worship to God to you? Because I think I've just given you what five, six chapters that says God takes it very seriously. Do we take it seriously? Can we go into worship understanding? Worship, he is worthy. Why? He only gave you eternal life. What would I withhold from him? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that even with all of the detail that you gave here, it is so overwhelming of the joy of our salvation, the amazement of our salvation. Father, just as Israel was delivered from the Egyptians, we have been delivered from the bondage of sin. Father, help us who are called by your name, who are the bride of Christ. Help us to cherish it. Help us to embrace it. Help us to be overwhelmed by it. Help us to be in awe of it. And Father, help us to be spirit-filled so that our worship is acceptable and holy to you. In Christ's name, amen.